And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of The Beats. I'm, of course, Nick Baumgartner. This episode and every episode brought to you by BetMGM. I'm pretty sure we're still brought to you by BetMGM. Anyway, uh, Brennan Quinn on assignment at the Masters. And I am, of course, joined by Austin Meek, uh, Michigan beat writer. When Brennan is on assignment, Austin, this means we can just talk about football. And I don't care if it's spring or basketball season or anything else. Michigan just wrapped up spring football with a spring game that we saw. So before we get into any of that, it's been a minute, Austin. How are we doing? Great. I, uh, I was in San Antonio with Brendan. That's right. Um, I got Determined. home from that uh, and felt like I needed to sleep for about four days. So I don't know how Brendan does it. Uh, I don't either. New Orleans <laughs> and now on his way to Augusta. Uh, so I think he yeah, drove I, through the night, possibly. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I finally feel like I've got my bearings again. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I was on the road with basketball uh, for a lot of the spring. So I missed right. some of the spring football stuff that happened. Uh, but it was nice to actually be able to watch a spring game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I felt like I, I learned a little bit uh, that, that we haven't uh, learned in the past. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, we're going to get into where we kind of think uh, they're at um, just in general. And then we're going to some of your questions. But I, I want to start and you you mentioned, you know, Austin wasn't there for some of the availabilities, um, you know, and the staff has shuffled. But you were there for Harbaugh uh, when he talked. And it was the only time he talked in spring, which um, everyone now knows, right? He only talks once in spring. People are always <laughs> people are like, is he going to talk today? Is he gonna talk? I'm like, did he already talk? Yes. Well, then, no, he's not talking again. Anyway, <laughs> he did talk earlier in spring. And I think we probably talked at the time. And I think I noted it to you um, or maybe it was somebody else. But I think it was to you that like this was, you know, him being happy, go lucky and him being cheerful and everything. That reminds me of Harbaugh from like four years ago before all of this mess stuff started it was very reminiscent to me of the original Jim Harbaugh that came here because spring for him was always, he enjoyed it is what he always used to tell us back in the days when he talked to us like that, Uh, because it was a time for, you know, to restart. It was really growth time. You saw the, you know, they're experimenting with Sainra still and stuff like this. So your impressions of sort of the vibe uh, Harbaugh's journey. I don't think we've really talked since, you know, he returned about this specific topic and then just sort of, the staff and, and, and everything around the program as it sort of guided through a really important spring here. It did seem like when we talked to him at the beginning of the spring that, uh, that maybe there was like a weight off of his shoulders, mm-hmm. you know, that that period of time of exploring the NFL and, and not knowing what was going to come of it. I'm sure it probably did weigh on him a little bit as, as it weighed on everybody. And, you know, it just seemed to me like when we talked to him that day, he was like, all right, I'm here. I know I'm going to be here. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, 
he's comfortable here. Like this is really his, his domain, you know, he loves being out there on the practice field, getting to work with a a new team and being there kind of at the beginning of a new team coming together. And it just, it, you know, it seemed like he was doing what he loves to do and he was at peace with it. Maybe there was a time when it, it was, you know, he was feeling conflicted, like, you know, do I want to take another run at the NFL? Do I want to try to win a Super Bowl? And he explored that. And I, I, I got the sense that after signing the contract and coming back, that just was some, you know, some clarity for mm-hmm. him that Michigan is where he's going to be. Uh, his calling now is to help this team right. try to get to the next level, try to aim for a national championship, uh, another Big Ten championship, all that stuff. He just seemed like he was really at peace with where he was. Yeah, that's a great way to say it. And I think that like the thing we sort of talked about back in January um, when he made his statements about, you know, this is where I'm going to be until they you know don't want me anymore or whatever he said was like, you know, as always, as he requests, we'll judge him by, you know, his actions. So like, we'll see ultimately what happens, but I, you know, it's, it's not a stretch to believe all of this is genuine because I think Austin, we talked about this and this is another thing I was going to ask you. We talked about this back in January that, Neither of us thought he would have any problem um, going back to the team, addressing it, and then just going right back to business. I mean, you know, they had some coaching changes that happened, but I mean, I don't get any sense from seeing them on the field uh, Saturday and then listening to some of the stuff that we've heard from them throughout camp that there was any problem there with the roster. They understood it completely, right? Like that, that seems to be how this goes. I think his way of sort of relating to these kids and saying like, look, when you're a junior and you come to me and ask me if you think I should go to the NFL, we're going to sit down and we're going to have a really talk about it. I just did the same thing. You know, he looks at them like they look at him. And I think that they've kind of found uh, interesting ground. I was curious to get your take on the vibe around that sort of it. I, it didn't seem to be maybe the coaches, who knows, but like the players did not seem to care at all. At all. Yeah, that yeah, I think that's something that tends to matter a lot more to fans yep. than it does to players. Uh, you know, fans often get get kind of caught up in that, like, you know, you know, mm-hmm. he's our coach, he shouldn't be out there right. in, interviewing for another job. Uh, but actually the you know, I, I do think the players, you know, who are in the game of football right. do understand that to a degree. Um th- I mean, there's so much change constantly oh my God, in, in yeah. college coaching, like you know, the idea of, I mean, there are guys at Michigan who came in and played their entire careers for Jim Arbaugh. Like that doesn't happen. In right. That's kind of rare. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so, you know, players, I think are, are used to dealing with rumors and coaches coming and going. Uh, and so I do think for the team, it was probably just a matter of, you know, I'm sure there was some uncertainty there. Uh, right. At in the them, time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure yes. it wasn't fun for the team no. in, in that period of time, but I think it's pretty easy to flip the switch and say, okay, he's back. Yeah. Let's go full speed ahead. And I think for the staff too, I'm sure there were some anxious, anxious moments in there. Uh, some periods of time when people on the staff didn't know what the future was going to hold. Right. But uh, once this thing came back together, my sense is that it was a pretty smooth transition just to, uh, you know, just to focus on the spring and full speed ahead. Arpa, people don't get it. They, maybe they do now, but he's the weirdest coach in the world. And that, of course, there wasn't any conflict. And we talked about judging him by his actions. And one of the things that I brought up and you brought up and we talked about a lot, and I caught flack from the diehard Michigan supporters who we'd like to engage with, um, 
was that like I said at the time, and I stand by it, that he needed to change his methods of communication and operation within how they, you know, within how they worked. And it seems to me that he sort of is starting to do that, or at least continuing the process that he started last year, right? Of that's what it seems like. There are more hands on deck. Denard was back, right? I mean, he's with the team again uh, in, a, in a staff role. To see him on the field, to see um, Devin Gardner was out there, obviously in a working capacity, but you saw guys like Ben Bredesen there. You saw guys from other eras. I saw Devin Funches there. I'm starting to see some of that like connective tissue that Michigan was famous for forever that people always wanted that was like, for whatever reason, difficult for them to sort of get back with Harbaugh. It seems to me that that is like, continuing to loosen a little bit day by day. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm too deep into that, but it did seem to me that it's been a progression of where they left off last year, which is about all you can ask for. Yeah. I had, I had this conversation with Andy Staples this week uh, about just you know, how unusual Michigan is when you compare <laughs> it to basically any other. You really can't, right? Yeah, in college can't football. Yeah. Because anywhere else you could say, well, what happened with Jim Harbaugh this offseason would be totally toxic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the relationship with the coach and the AD would be destroyed. Forever. You know, yeah. it, would, it, it would just be untenable. Yeah. And, and Michigan is just the kind of place where no matter how dramatic it seems at the time, people just move on from it. Like yeah. they deal with that stuff here. It, it's the price of admission uh, when Jim Harbaugh is your football coach. And yeah, I... Uh, you know, I, I think that the word you used is is a good one in terms of the continuation mm-hmm. of a lot of the things that Jim Harbaugh started to do a year ago with his staff, right. with bringing back Michigan guys who, you know, were maybe played at Michigan in yep. other eras or recognizable faces, you know, people who really care about Michigan. And, you know, again, with Grant Newsom, Grant too, yeah. the job is the tight ends coach, Mike Elston. Uh, you know, a guy from an earlier seventeen. Yep. Yeah. But a Michigan guy who's mm-hmm. back coaching the defensive line. So uh, a lot of the things that I think Jim Harbaugh started to do uh, last year with the staff and, and with the program, we've seen that continuing forward this year. It's cool to see in a lot of ways. And I think it's something that a lot of people, I know it's something that a lot of people have wanted and there's a lot of resistance to that sort of thing over the years. And I don't, I know there probably still will be as families tend to resist. Right. But like, the Michigan football family, as I've come to sort of view it uh, in my time observing all this stuff, always sort of operates best when there's a um, CEO in charge of it, mm-hmm. right? An unquestioned leader of it. And for so many years, that was Lloyd Carr. And then Lloyd retired. And unlike, and Lloyd was his own unique, different coach. I think a lot of people who listen to this show know that. Um, and when Lloyd retired, he retired. <laughs> and like, Right. Like uh, what a concept. Like so many coaches don't do that. They hang yeah. around and like when Lloyd retired, he retired. And so the program changes and obviously Rodriguez doesn't work out. Brady doesn't work out. And Jim's start here was so up and down and all over the place. And now I think when you talk to older guys, you start not all of them. There's some of them who are still I'll, I'll judge him by his actions. But I'm starting to hear more uh, optimism about maybe he can be the CEO. Maybe that bridges all this maybe because the minute you think you're comfortable with Jim Harbaugh is the minute he rips the rock out from under you. But it does seem to be that they're sort of where they want to be um, yeah. with that whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. 
No, I was just going to say, like, it is, as you said, like, we talk about this now and like, you know, Jim Harbaugh seems at peace. He seems, you know, at home here. And like, would it surprise either of us if we get to January again? And it's like, oh, you know, Jim Harbaugh is a candidate for whatever, you know, like. Right. No, of course not. Just get used to that. Uh, I mean, this is just part of the deal here. Like, uh you know, wherever he is in that moment, he is completely there. And right mm-hmm. now in this moment, he's completely, you know, both feet on the ground in, in, in at Michigan. And yeah. it you know, feels like they're in a good place. It does. It completely does. change. Yeah. Uh, oh, tomorrow, yeah. yeah. Nothing is for perfect. right now. As we speak, it feels, feels <laughs> right. pretty sturdy. Nothing is perfect, but for all things that are on the table here, I think they're in a pretty good stable situation. Like I said, also, yes. And on the field, uh, like you said, we did get to see quite a bit. And, you know, that's another thing I said, you know, people asked Harbaugh to make some changes, including a, a spring game that they got to see. And he gave them a spring game, four quarters, three hours with officiating, replay reviews, replay reviews uh, officiating freelances and everything else. Uh, but all that aside, um, we did get a good look at a lot of guys, um, including new faces and some that are back uh, and in maybe new or different roles. Um before we get into maybe like quarterbacks and questions of specifics, I, I just general, what sort of stood out to you and what maybe questions, I guess, did you have going into spring uh, that maybe you were monitoring uh, on Saturday when we saw them? Yeah. I mean, with the spring game, really the, the things that you're looking for are the players that you haven't seen on the field mm-hmm. before, you know, the, the early enrollees or, you know, second year guys who didn't play last year, you're just getting a, getting a look at those guys for the first time. Uh, and, and, you know, there were some, there were some, uh, yep. some there early some enrollees <laughs> who looked pretty, pretty darn good. And mm-hmm. obviously you have to have a little bit of caution in terms of like overreacting to a, to a spring game. But I mean, guys like Darius Clemens, uh, Derek Moore, mm-hmm. you know, they, uh, Mason Graham, like Graham. those guys look like they can play maybe not immediately. Uh, but in a year or two, I think we're going to, we're going to be talking a lot about those guys. You know, the, the guy who is not a young player, but is a new player, uh, is Olu Oluwatimi mm-hmm. at center. Yes. Uh, we'd heard a lot about him and his transition and it was the first chance to see him out there with the rest of that offensive line. And I think it, it backed up everything we've heard about him yeah. in terms of being a really smart, technically sound, you know, really strong, uh, you know, really strong player who, when he gets his hands on you, you're not mm-hmm. going anywhere. Yeah, exactly. um, and, and so I think that, you know, that just kind of reinforces what we've, what we've thought all along is that this offensive line, even losing a guy like Andrew Vistardis, who was so valuable to that group last year, mm-hmm. uh, they, they have a chance to be, I think, as good as, as they were last year, maybe even better. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. It was interesting, right? Because that you know they they brought him out. They brought Ulu out to talk afterward, and that's actually where I you know I you watch his tape and you know what you know, and it, that doesn't surprise that he was able to move people. And in some ways, he's physically more, more impressive in many ways a more impressive uh, prospect than Andrew uh, Sardis was. But like we talked about so many times, it's like the, the adjustments. And all the things that he's got to learn and pick up sort of on the fly and to, to, to hear him and uh, Hayes talk afterward and to hear Ryan Hayes say that um, Oluwatimi came into camp, spring camp, he knew all the calls, he knew all the checks, he knew the playbook like a grown adult, right? Mm-hmm. Like what a, I can't even imagine, you know, we didn't talk to Sharon more about any of that or whatever, but I can't imagine that must have been like eight loads off, you know, the shoulder, because if you have a guy that that, that's of that age that is obviously serious about, you know, the next level and everything else and knows what Michigan can do for him and everything and knows how good, you know, the guys he is playing around are to come in and be ready like that. And to show them that he's ready to work and everything else, man, that is a big deal. Like when he, when they, when they talked about that, I thought that was probably the most impressive thing I heard or saw the entire weekend because like you just said it. I mean, Hayes said that he thinks they have a chance to be better, which you're always like, okay, whatever, dude. Like, we'll see. That was a pretty good line last <laughs> yeah, year, right? right? Like, but I, I am more willing to believe that that they're going to be really good. I, I don't, mm. I don't for a second. Uh, like, I think we have questions about it later. But you know, if you ask me coming out of spring here, do you have any questions about if this is going to be a good line? No, I would expect it to be one of the best lines in the Big Ten because of him, because of Olu, right? Like, that's number one thing that stood out to me. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm working on depth charts right now. I did, I did the offense earlier this week and I'm working on the defense now. And you know, one thing that stands out is the offense is pretty easy. There's not yeah, really spots easy. on the <laughs> offense where you have to like think twice. I mean, maybe right, right tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like Trente Jones is, is maybe the leader in the clubhouse there. Although Carson Barnhart's a, a good player who, who yeah. uh, is going to play somewhere, can play somewhere. Yeah. If you know, multiple spots, uh, but offense is pretty easy. Defense is not easy. Uh, defense, you know, there's there's several spots where you're like, well, it could be this guy or it could be this guy or, you know, maybe it's this guy. Right. Uh, so that's definitely the side of the ball where, where they have the most, uh, you know, the most questions to answer. But, you know, I'm, I'm feeling, uh, I would say, cautiously uh, optimistic that they, they have yeah. some answers. Uh, right. Yes. You know, that's a good point. Are they, are they great answers? We'll, we'll find that out in the fall, but at least like they, you know, they have some ideas and some options of how they can fill some of those spots. Yeah. That's really well said. Cause I think physically, you know, not just in the lines, but specifically in the lines, physically, they look to be very healthy as a program mm-hmm. in terms of physical yeah. talent. When you look out there and you see a guy like Derek Moore, who's a freshman coming in or Clemens and like more, is probably going to be a freak. <laughs> I think we can say like he's <laughs> looked that way. He's yeah. got every opportunity. How about that? Like as Harbaugh would say, he has the license to become that because he's got all of the tools and he's stacked up there and all of the things we used to talk about. Um, and this is years ago now, Austin, when Harbaugh first got to Michigan and Greg Madison was still the defensive line coach and they could recruit those NFL level defensive linemen who could come in and make differences right away and give you depth right away. They have guys in this class that can do that. You talked about, 
you know, an overflow of it offensively, all those receivers, I don't know who's all going to play or who's not going to play in that conversation, but defensively, the questions that they have, the best way to say is what you just said. I'm more willing to buy that they have answers to make up for it. Like you're not going to replace Aiden Hutchinson um, on his own with any one player, uh, but Mike Morris plus uh, three other guys. Okay. Like I can buy that. Like, you know, you have mm-hmm. a, the Jalen Harrell in the mix. I can buy that. If he can do some things with two or three other guys, I can buy it because I did see, you know, Chris Jenkins looks bigger. Mike Morris looks bigger. Um, McGregor looks a lot bigger and stronger, right? So you're seeing all the guys that you needed to see get bigger and stronger, get bigger and stronger. And physically to me, they just look really healthy as healthy as I've seen a Michigan team look probably since 2016 is what I would, I would probably say. We didn't see last year's team. So I don't know, but you know, that's where I'm at with it. Yeah. Yeah. This is a really interesting year for, for Jesse mentor coming mm-hmm. in as, as the new defensive coordinator, the new Mac McDonald, <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Next uh, Ravens guy on, yeah. on deck, um, right. you know, running, running the Ravens system, the Mike mm-hmm. McDonald system uh, with a roster where a lot of your upperclassmen and, you know, your guys who are like, uh, you know, sort of ready to step in. Yes. Uh, were guys recruited by Don Brown. You know, when you when you look, especially I think on the front seven and the defensive line, you're just going through the depth chart yep. this week. It's like you know, there's some guys in there who um, you know were were good high school recruits at the time. Um, you know, maybe some undersized defensive linemen, which right. Don Brown liked to recruit, and then. And when they changed the defensive system, they went heavy toward the, you know, we want the big 300 pound plus defensive linemen. And they have some of those guys now in the pipeline and and Mm -hmm. more on the way. Uh, But those are your like first and second year players. And your third and fourth year players are still, you know, still guys who were recruited when Don Brown was here. So so it's an interesting thing for Jesse Mentor to try to figure all that out as a first, you know, first year coordinator, you know, where, where do I go here? Do you, right. do you go yeah. with your older players who are more mature? Do you go with your younger players who maybe are a little better fit for the scheme? Is it a, it's probably a mix of both, right. but how they figure out the percentages there, I think is going to be interesting. That is the best point. Cause it, it is a mix of both. The answer is it has to be a mix of both. If you're going to win a title, it has to be a mix of both. You have to be able to keep older players that you've invested time in and developed, which is why I, Don Brown is always a fascinating case to me here because he is a fantastic football coach, uh, remains so today, uh, always has been. And, you know, you can say whatever you want to say about adjustments or whatever. The guy knows more about football than anybody listening to this show, plus us talking combined, right? So he knows the game. Maybe he's stubborn, but at the same time, like he recruited a bunch of guys that you want in your program. Like Jalen Harrell is a guy that's going to take a minute, but you want him in your program. Upshaw took a minute, but you want him here now because now he's an older player. It means a lot to him and he's going to be able to help. But you also want to be able to throw in a guy like Derek Moore right off the bat. Let's go see Mm -hmm. what you can do right off the shoot. And we're going to have a role for you, right? Like that, they lost the ability to compete for those because the defense wasn't modern. It wasn't, you know, what we see in the NFL now. And now it is. They lost some of their ability to compete for those premium talents to go in addition to the developmental guys. And I think you just said it like they had a chance now, maybe we'll see to get back to some of that, where it's like you have some foundational guys that are always going to be there and are probably going to be borderline NFL players. Anyway, if you can sprinkle in premium talent, young talent with them, like that's the ultimate recipe that you want right there at the end of the day. 
Yeah. Yeah. You want to have your foundation be the guys who have been in your program, who have developed over time. And then when you bring in the guys who, you know, mm-hmm. may not be around four or five years, Derek Moore, like, yeah, well, right. <laughs> two or three years and off to the NFL, that, that'd be right. a good career for him. But yeah, when, you know, as, as they did last year with a guy like Ajabo, you know, you get one really good year and he goes to the NFL. You're okay with that. Uh, yes. Especially when you can put the, uh, the more experienced players around those guys, um, exactly. you know, secondary is going to be really interesting, uh, you know, in terms of like finding an answer, figuring out who plays that, that Dax Hill role mm-hmm. is going to be an interesting one. I, are you, uh, are you buying Saner still on defense? Cause I thought you he know, actually looked pretty, pretty nice. I am. I am. You know, it's interesting. We used to talk about him and Giles Jackson in the same class. Cause like when they signed Saner still and Jackson, it was at a time when they were still really old on offense. They were still doing a lot of the, you know, fullback huddle 22 mm-hmm. and, you know, Sandra still and Jackson were these two smallish quick twitch guys that we were like, Hey, these are, you know, Orion and I used to talk about this a lot. They're, they're really cool prospects, but I don't know what the hell they're going to do here. And so we originally, <laughs> I originally thought and assumed that Sandra still was going to be a defensive back here because I know that Michigan recruited Lewis scene who played with, I think Sandra still up there at Everett, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is a natural safety corner, whatever, like slot corner guy um, with the good, you know, good squat athlete who can flip the hips, all that stuff. I remember him in high school. I mean, he competed really well, really smart player, as we know. I mean, a kid who, who was completely bought into it. I don't know, you know, how much he gives you. I don't know if he's like a guy who ends up starting. I, I, that's never usually the outcome in a situation like this. But of all the recent guys like he tinkered with Ben Mason until they finally found the right, you know, mix for him. This one, I think actually has a chance. I think he does have skills that maybe in the end, he might, he might just be a full-time defensive player. I could see him just being a corner before it's all said and done. That wouldn't shock me if they got to camp and they were like, he's a corner now because he's really competitive and physically confident and all those things. And I think it would be a pretty good fit. You know, we'll see yeah. though. Yeah. I guess the other one, are you buying Kalel Mullings? Now that's back. an interesting one that I didn't, we didn't talk about that Saturday because I didn't realize it until like after that he was out there running the ball. Mm-hmm. And yes, because I remember he ran the ball in high school, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. and I believe yeah. he was a very good running back in high school. Um, and yeah, because we were just talking about Haskins. They're not, they don't have Haskins anymore. They don't have a guy like that. They have a, in Tavier Dunlap's a young back who could maybe, you know, become that in time, but, you know, a mature, physical, big dude who can just be a hammer. They don't have that. And Haskins was a lot like Colin Mullings in high school. And he came in here as a stack linebacker that they moved around. And then I want to say that one year he moved back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then he was suddenly just on the field breaking tackles and running dudes over. And everyone's like, what the hell? And he's like a natural yeah. runner. Mm-hmm. Mullings, absolutely. I, I could see that. But it's like, I don't want to, you don't want to crown someone before they're ready to do it. But if that's the path for him, I could see them absolutely experimenting with that. Like it could be like a two-year project, but in two years, you could have another Hassan Haskins. That might be what you you see with Kalil Mullins. And it'll dictate, you know, if he matures more with linebacker traits, maybe that's where they'll go. But I've always thought that's a really cool thing that Harbaugh does. It's one of the smartest things they do is they let kids like that who were really good at two spots they let them grow up and they let them tinker with both. And whenever their body sort of chooses for them of when they're going to, where they're going to fit, that's where they go. So I absolutely could see Khalil Mullins being a guy who they use 
maybe even this year as a, as a guy who's like a hammer, you know, back for them because that could help him, you know, long-term too, because is he fast enough to be in the stack right now with them? I don't know. I mean, that's another question that you'd have to ask in that conversation, but definitely interesting. What do yeah. you think about the rest of uh, the receiver situation before we get to these questions? They have a lot of guys. They have a lot of guys. Um, <laughs> they really do. And if you just like carved it down, like we were talking about, if they just started like um, Andrew Anthony, Cornelius Johnson, and Ronnie Bell, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that would that would be like one of one of the best non-Ohio State receiving contingents you're going to find in the Big Ten, and that doesn't include like six guys who could be all Big Ten right. players. Uh, I don't know what's your read on all this. How's this going to sort itself uh, in the old uh, season here? I mean, I think they have. I think they have six six receivers who are going to play mm-hmm. uh, and going to play a lot. When I was trying to break it down into starters and backups, like, it didn't even make sense to try. Like Andrew, <laughs> right. Andrew yeah. Anthony, like whether you call him a starter, you know, whether he's number three or number four mm-hmm. or number two or number one, like he's going to play a lot. Uh, Roman Wilson, you know, quietly has been a really good player at, at Michigan, and he's going to play a lot. Uh, Cornelius, Cornelius Johnson is going to play a lot, um, you know, and Ronnie Bell, if, if he's healthy, I think Ronnie Bell is number one. Ronnie Bell's going to play a ton if he's healthy, folks. Okay, um, <laughs> he's, you know, he's not there yet. He didn't play in the spring game. Yeah, uh, but you know, we expect Ronnie Bell to be Ronnie Bell. Yep, and then I think the other guys will will fill in around him. And so it makes a really interesting situation for a guy like, like Darius Clemens, mm. who clearly is physically oh, he's ready to go. Yep. Yeah. He's, he's got the tools. Um, if he's got the rest of it, then I think he's going to play maybe on paper. There's not a lot of snaps out there for him, but if you've got a guy who's really good and who's ready, you find the snaps for exactly. him. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think right now it's, it's six and maybe it's seven. Uh, if, if Clemens is ready and, you know, and Saner still is the guy who you don't really know. Um, you know, he brings some things offensively that I think are, are valuable, not yeah. just catching the ball, uh, you know, as a, He's blocker, a blocker, absolutely. You know, yeah. As a, you know, just a, an all around football player, mm-hmm. you can put out there on offense. I think he's valuable enough um, to, you know, try to keep a role for him on offense, but if it ends up being a better fit for him on defense, that's where the needs are uh, because that right. yeah. room is as you know, probably the deepest position on the team. So, you know, as much as you like some of the things that Sainer still does on offense, um, you can move him and be okay because uh, the, uh, the overall depth they have on, on the receiver. And I know that like we, and I think there's a question actually somewhere in here, but I'm going to support, I'm going to just get to it here. Like somebody sort of asked about, are they going to be able to keep them all happy? You know, are they going to be able to keep all these guys, which is a fair question at this point. I mean, like that's, they've run into that problem before, you know, like they've had too many guys at one time where, you know, one guy plays and that's just kind of the nature of the position and the nature of football in general. Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, but I actually think, I think they have a chance to, to keep a lot of them happy because you can sort of use if you continue along and if a guy like Clemens keeps practicing hard and gets a chance somewhere in there and blows up like Anthony did last year, take your opportunity and blow up with it. Like they're going to have opportunities, like you said, but it'll be the challenge of did you make the most of it? And I think they'll try to, this. This has a chance because I think all the kids that we've seen come through are pretty good kids has a chance to be a like meritocracy you know, receiver room without a lot of ego, especially with Ronnie Bell, you know, leading it. I think this, that should not be a problem. It might be because you never know, but I wouldn't think it'd be a huge issue. I'd be a little surprised if it was, but I wanted to hear your thoughts on that too. 
Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I think that they can make it work this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, looking right. ahead a little bit, it's, it's going to get crowded. It, sure, it, it sure. is going to get crowded. You know, a guy like Christian Dixon, who, um, you know, mm-hmm. looks like he's, he's got the tools too physically. Yep. Um, you know, he can play and, and he's a year ahead of, of some of the younger guys. And so you would expect him to, you know, to, to be ahead of, of the guys who are just getting on campus. Um, you know, that's, that's not like an unhealthy thing for a program. Like no. I think people are still kind of getting their minds around this in, in the era of the transfer portal, but like, it's actually okay. Uh, if, if not everybody stays like yep. th- there may be a time looking at that receiver group where a couple guys say, you know, Hey, I was here f- for a while and I developed here and now I'm ready to go somewhere where yeah, I can be more of a, a focal mm-hmm. point. And that, you know, that's okay. And that time may come. Um, but for right now, I think with the group they have, it, it seems like they recognize, um, that there's not going to be you know, a, a quote unquote go-to receiver yeah. in this group, aside from, from Ronnie Bell, there's going to, they're going to have to spread the wealth. And that's always been, you know, I remember like when Nico Collins was here mm-hmm. and it was like, why don't they just <laughs> throw the ball to Nico Collins every right. time? Yeah. He's so talented. <laughs> um, but that's, you know, philosophically, this this work, is yeah. not an offense that like forces the ball to one guy. And I think they get that. And I, I think they'll be able to make it work this year. I really do. You know, this is this probably lends to like a larger philosophical question about the transfer portal. But I have wondered, you know, you know, everybody has the ability now to sort of let time play itself out a little bit more. You, you There's not as much pressure because you can get out. Like if you if you're logical about it and you go into college and not all kids are. But if you're logical about it, and you go into college, and you survey your situation. You can sort of ride that wave knowing that you're going to have an opportunity to get out when you, like you just said, you could, you could write it longer than it used to be acceptable to. Right. Right. And I think that you're going to see guys get to that fourth year now longer and be like, you know, maybe I'll stay, you know, shit. I don't know. Like maybe I'll just stick it out. Right. Like, and I, I will see, but I think it lends itself in a way when all these guys and gals fought against the transfer portal, it might end up lending itself to be, good for the team in the long run, because if it takes away that pressure of like, I got to get out of here right now, or I got to start right now, like it's mm-hmm. got to happen today or I got to go now because that was very real. You know, I think you know, everyone looked at that and that was a very real thing that's gone now. And I do wonder sometimes when you look at those situations, uh, if that doesn't change it, but yeah. Yeah. And with the immediate eligibility thing, right. Yeah. That takes some pressure off too, because it used to be Exactly. Guys would have yeah, to derail your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so then you were like, well, you know, having to sit out that year, like completely alters the timeline of your career. And it's almost like I need to leave my school a year early. Right. Accounting for that year, I'm going to have to sit out. Yeah. Give myself uh, right or whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, so you can be in a position to actually contribute at your next school. Um, you know, and in this situation, like you can play right away. Right. Um, you know, you don't have to, you know, feel that pressure, um, to like, you know, think two or three years ahead, you can just, you know, see how it goes, like, see how know, it goes through your yeah, season. Right. And then, you know, if, if you feel like you've got a better opportunity somewhere else, you go there and you play right away. Yeah. Uh, you know, as opposed to like having to think two or three moves ahead. You can go to college for a year and be a college student. How about that? <laughs> and see what happens. I mean, like, yeah, that's a, anyway, we're not going to get too deep into the uh, portal today. I'm sure that's another 
podcast for someone else to dive into. But we do have questions about uh, various spring topics here, and we'll start. Uh, we'll start with the quarterbacks. We did have some other ones um, from George. Uh, how do you keep a and this is sort of on with what we were just sort of talking about? How do you keep a quarterback room uh, with a reigning Big Ten champion junior, uh, an eye popping but injured sophomore, a redshirt sophomore with surprising uh, arm talent, which is true. We we'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, a true freshman built like a linebacker, and another one who's pretty good. What, I mean, what do you do here? Like that's basically what George's question is. Um, before we get into that whole conversation about what do you do here, because I think it's more or less the same thing that we just discussed. They have a lot of guys now. Suddenly, <laughs> they can throw the ball like what? they flipped it, didn't they? Like this, Davis Warren could yeah. probably play at some Big Ten schools or some MAC schools. I would think right now, at least with his arm right. talent. I mean, my yeah. God, uh, your thoughts on the quarterbacks here? This is this is an interesting group. Well, it's a it's a different conversation than it would have been if JJ McCarthy was healthy. Obviously, Absolutely. I mean that JJ not being able to throw in the spring just completely altered the complexion of how we talk about this quarterback situation, because it was going to be, if JJ was healthy, it was going to be Cade McNamara and JJ McCarthy duking it out in the Cage spring. Match. Yeah. Yeah. To see who goes into <laughs> the summer and, and into preseason camp on top. Mm-hmm. And right now there's no question. Cade McNamara is going into the summer uh, and into preseason camp as the unquestioned, Absolutely. leader of the offense and starting quarterback. And the, the question is more about the spots behind Cade McNamara. Right. You know, who's your number three quarterback? Right. Um, How healthy is JJ? Year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When does JJ come back? Mm-hmm. When does he throw again? Uh, is he throwing in the summer um, or not? You know, yeah. is, is he hundred percent full go at the start of camp or not? Um, and you know, that answer is going to determine a lot of other you know, how a lot of other dominoes fall with, with the quarterback spot. Um, but I think, you know, I think right now you go into it with Cade McNamara clearly is the starter. No, no debate, no question. If, and when JJ's healthy, mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's got a role, maybe similar to the role that he had last year, maybe more, maybe less. We'll see. Um, but he's got to get healthy first. And that that's really the, the first step there. And then behind him, I think, you know, you have to decide, well, you've got Alan Bowman who's still here. Yeah. Uh, hasn't played a lot, but you know, an experienced player who's played mm-hmm. big time. Oh, big time football. games, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you've got uh you've got Alex Orgy, who um, you know, is mm. is a different skill set than really anybody else on the team. Uh Michigan doesn't have right now anybody else who is kind of that, you know, big right. thick, yep. uh, you know, running dual threat type quarterback. Obviously, he's got a lot of work to do in terms of, you know, passing mechanics and grasp of the passing game, but he's got a pretty live arm. Oh, yeah. Um, so he's a guy you can develop. Uh, and then, yeah, Davis Warren. Like, you know, I think uh, when Jim Arbaugh mentioned Davis <laughs> Warren uh, on on uh, the podcast with John Jansen before the spring, everybody's like, well, OK, uh, but you know, guy can play a little bit. He, he can spin it. Um, yeah. So, you know, maybe he's your number three quarterback. I don't know. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? 
Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I did wonder if Davis Warren was getting like a live um, audition for because he hasn't played in like a, mm-hmm. maybe one or two games in like two years. And yeah. they, you know, they hit him. They let him, you know, and sometimes Jim's done that. They let the quarterbacks get hit in the spring game, but they were hitting him. He was live. So, I mean, he was going against, I don't think that was accidental after a while. Maybe it was, but I almost wonder if that was like, because they brought him here. I think they have a relationship. Obviously, maybe he sticks it out and he's your guy, but I do wonder if that was like, hey, if he gets an opportunity down the road. But yeah, no, definitely. Arm talent. Absolutely. The throw he made to Clemens was terrific. Um, mm-hmm. And he made some other really good ones, as you saw. Um Orgy is the guy that like keeps getting my, you know, long-term here, obviously Cade and JJ is the main event that people talk about going forward, but the long-term picture of where this offense goes, like Alex Orgy is the guy that I think needs to be the prototype. I don't know if it'll work out, but I mean, like with his skill set, the, what, what he is as a quarterback, I think that's what you need because he, like you said, he's, what is he? Six, one, six, two, 220 pounds. He's squat with the big lower half. He can run. And it's not just like straight line speed. I mean, he's got wiggle and he can bounce around and break tackles, but also he can get the ball off from any angle without it losing any speed in his arm. Right. So if he can figure out, like you said, to slow everything down and play on like the same thing JJ is going through right now, he's a guy who could physically take, you know, the, the piece in the run game that they don't have right now with the quarterback. If you add that, to everything else that they have going on with the power run game, the way it's as disciplined as it is, oh, that's a pretty good offense. And so when I see him come through long range, it's a long way to go. And Jaden Denigal is a different quarterback, but I also think you go a different route if he's your guy. But I think both of those guys would fit in very well with an offense that likes to pound the ball. And I think that that's what you're starting to see now with how they're recruiting quarterbacks. Are you going to be a complimentary piece to our run game? Are you going to make it more dynamic? And is, are you going to be able to take advantage when our pass game opens up? That's Michigan offense, and that's Jim Harbaugh football. And I see it's interesting to see them recruiting types now that give them opportunities to go one of two ways without losing themselves. You know what I mean? Like, these guys are all going to fit with what they want to do. Yeah, clearly having the quarterback run element uh, really yep. opens some things up for this offense. You know, there definitely have been times uh, – 
especially like early on with Josh Gaddis, where it was yeah. like, where, where is the quarterback run element? You know, right. where, where are What's the quarterback here? Yeah, yeah, right. Dave <laughs> Patterson ever going to keep the ball. Um, <laughs> so we went through that phase and now, you know, and look what at a Matt journey Weiss. It was. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah what, what a time. Uh, uh, but look, Matt Weiss came in from, from the Ravens, uh, which is like the prototype of exactly. how you use yep. a running quarterback. And then all of a sudden, Michigan is like recruiting some dual threat quarterbacks. Uh, it, the name eludes me, but they were uh, recruiting a guy who ended up going to Utah and then oh, yes. similar yeah. mold yeah. Uh, as, as Orgy. And then, you know, signing day comes and they're able to flip him from Virginia tech. And now you have a guy, a mm-hmm. uh, you know, with, with a bunch of raw tools that you can, you can develop and whether he is, you know, a full-time starting quarterback or, you know, Jim Harbaugh is not afraid to play two quarterbacks. No. No, nope. last year they've totally. done it many times. They, yep. you know, that that could be the role for him moving forward. But um, yeah, they they have options in this quarterback room. I mean, it's it's a pretty diverse set of players um, who all do slightly different things, um, and it, it's interesting to see how they're gonna yeah you know, use that array of, of skill sets that they have. And as we've seen, like you just said it, like McNamara is never going to run the ball as long as he's the quarterback here. He's not going to do it. You're never going to want him to do it. Right. So. They will use multiple quarterbacks here. They just will. That I mean, I would expect them to <laughs> going forward, especially if if a guy like Jaden Denigal say ends up winning the job because he's just a terrific processor and a great kid. He might be because he's a really good prospect. Like if he wins the job, he's not going to be part of the run threat. But Jim will have a guy who can be, and he's going to play both. Like I mean, to sort of answer George's question, I think that they've established through a lot of like we joked that it was a journey and it was a lot of trial and error and hand wringing and like all this other stuff about what are you going to be as an offense? And I think they've sort of established that like there is room for two players to make plays at quarterback at Michigan in the same season. So I don't know how it's going to go long-term for both you guys, but like if you, if the two best quarterbacks we have on this team, compliment each other you're both going to play and you both have an opportunity to showcase yourself to everybody who needs to see you and that's what you sell and I think they're in a, such a good place if they can continue forward with this to keep it like that because if you bring somebody in who wants the wine then leave and I don't think they have doesn't seem like anybody uh, uh here is, is doing any of that it's like they know and understand like this is where football is going Michigan's offense suddenly <laughs> is this is where it's going you're going to see more in the NFL I think you know, younger quarterbacks get packages built in because they have yeah. skills that other guys don't. And mm-hmm. this is where it's going. And people criticize Jim Arbaugh a lot for a lot of stuff that's very warranted. But I have always said, this guy surprises you with how he uh, is nimble and sort of can make a change like that on the fly. And we've seen after a year and a half, two years, like their run game is outstanding. I think they had a chance to continue it and really add more layers to it. And it's, it's interesting and neat to see them recruit to that because the quarterback situation right now, it, it plays in line with everything else, but it just seems really healthy to me. And I know we've yeah. said that before, but it, it doesn't seem mismatched. You know, it seems like it's pretty uniform. So that's yeah. good. All right. Let me hit you with uh, another one of these yeah. questions here from Todd. Who is going to be the most difficult to replace Daxton Hill or Aiden Hutchinson, which group secondary or D line? <sighs> will have the most difficult challenge? Honestly, that's a great question. And it's probably the secondary, and it's probably not just for Daxton Hill. It's probably him and Hawkins, I would I would argue. Him and Hawkins, mm-hmm. plus, you know, you're losing Vincent Grace, you're losing a corner. But really, um, Hill plus 
Brad Hawkins uh, and Hawkins being maybe as much as anything, the sixth year safety to be able to be as, um, you know, competent and trusted at all the things that he needs to be able to do back there is such a big deal. Uh, it was a big deal for them last year, I think, to get Moten as much time as he got, Rod Moore as much time as he got. Um, but you're not going to replace anything Aiden or David Ojabo gives you. So I guess Aiden is probably the answer, but it's almost the way I look at it because I don't even like, that's just not even a question that I'm willing to consider because it's not possible. I look at losing experience in the back end as like something that you really are going to have a hard time replacing. If Braden McGregor blows up and has like a freaky year, then maybe you're replacing Aiden in numbers. Right. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you're going to be able to replace six years of game experience for Brad Hawkins and yeah. three years of starting from the minute he walked in the door that's Daxton Hill, right? Like, I don't know if you're gonna be able to replace that. So at a position like safety, that is so important. Um, it's a really good question. I don't know. Do you have a thought yeah. on that? Yeah. I mean, you know, Daxton Hill, I think maybe unfairly like got evaluated by, you know, his production yeah. um, versus like what he actually yeah. brought to the team. <laughs> right. I mean, if, if you're grading it by production, then of course, like 14 sacks. Right. That, and everything is, he does. Right. Yeah. Yes, right. That is the production yeah, right. that's going to be the hardest to replace. Yeah. Um, but I think we can say having, having watched, you know, the whole season that, obviously there was more to what Dax Hill brought than just, you know, what, what the numbers say. And I, you know, I think it's a fair, uh, a fair point to ask, like, could he have been more productive in his college career? You know? Oh yeah. I think so too. uh, You know, he didn't have a ton of interceptions. Uh, You know, he didn't necessarily have a ton of like game changing plays, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it seemed like they found a role for him this last year uh, as the nickel corner right? Uh, that really like showed his value to that defense, you know, the way he could run you know, his, his instincts around the ball, right. um, you know, just a lot of, you know, a lot of things that didn't maybe like jump out to you um, when you're just watching the game, but maybe things that you look back on and say like, Oh yeah, that worked because we right. had Dax Hill on the field. Um, and that is going to be a hard thing to replace. And it may be that like the appreciation for Dax Hill's value increases up, yeah. next year. If we see like, oh yeah, like <laughs> what he was doing actually is a lot harder than right. he made it look. Um, but we'll see. They do have like, some young guys. That's I a great point. Out, but we'll see. But case in point, you know, they loved last year so much to just load up the short side of the field. Right. And they would just put. Aiden and Daxon Hill in like one corner on the other side, on the wide side and say, I dare you. Mm-hmm. They don't have another, because, you know, Daxon Hill's got issues with, you know, he still has uh, things to learn how to be a corner, you know, technique and all that stuff that young corners have. But the, really the problem, I guess, for Daxon Hill was like, he's a, he's, he plays like a safety and he's built like a corner and he's got all these freaky traits. But at the end of the day, like you said, he's a very confident athlete who's really instinctive when it's just time to go play and hit somebody. So like he was able to make plays in moments that you didn't see that I think are probably, yeah, probably going to be missed. You might give up more big plays this year. Right. And you'd be, why is that happening? Because somebody takes a chance somewhere that they weren't willing to take because Dax Hill was on the field, like that sort of stuff. I think you could definitely see that sort of thing 
And the, yeah, I mean, that's a great point that the appreciation for him is probably going to go up uh, as the year goes on. Yeah. Uh, here's one from Garrett. Uh, this, uh, I'll ask you this before I give my take um, because these guys look impressive. This year's offensive line, uh, is it going to be able to replace the big shoes? Will it be as good or better? Uh, I guess just in general, what are your expectations for Michigan's offensive line? Um, given what we saw from those guys come back this, this year, everything we've heard and Olu and everything else. I mean, I think the potential is there that they could be as good or, or better. Um, but it's, it's potential. It's mm -hmm. not, you know, they're not there yet. Um, and I think it's going to depend on a bunch of things. Uh, you know, I, I think that the starters that are coming back can be better. You know, Zach sure. Center, uh, I, I don't think he's played his best football nope. and he's, he's played really well, but yep. I, I think he's a guy who's going to continue to get better every year that he plays. Uh, you know, Ryan Hayes, uh, you know, just a really solid all around, uh, you know, technic technically sound, um, you know, a guy who, you know, you don't worry about him. Like, you know, you know, he's got the grasp of the position. Uh, and Trevor Keegan, I think I would, I would put alongside of Zinter as somebody who has not played his best football yet. So uh, I think all three of those guys could play at an even higher level. Uh, I think, you know, the, the kind of intangible stuff that you got from the Stardust, uh, it, it's really hard in the spring to sort of uh, quantify you know, what that exactly, was and yeah, how you right. replace it. I think we'll see, you know, when they get on the field, if it's there or if it's not, it's, you, you know, it when you see it, but it's hard to kind of, uh, you know, measure it at this point in the year. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, they need somebody to really, uh, to really take hold of the right tackle job. Um, Cause Andrew Stuber was just such a, you know, such a rock at yep. that spot, you know, okay. the guy, you just, you didn't worry about him. You knew he was going to do his job every, every snap. And I don't think there's a guy you can say that about right now, but if they no. can find that, then I think, yeah. I think it's reasonable to think that they could be as good. I, I give them a chance to, and I give them a chance to be better because of this. They have, they still have two questions and two guys and two spots that have to prove it. Like you said, whoever wins right tackle and Olu is encouraging as it was, he still has to prove it. But um, and the other guys do too, but I would say this last year, they entered uh, fall camp. I would say with three younger players in Hayes, uh, the, uh, Hayes, Zinter and uh, Keegan, the three you, you mentioned that were guys with NFL draft potential that we'll see still, right. It was like, they were young and we'll see now you're coming back with, the same three guys, Hayes, Keegan, and Zinter, and they are draft picks now. They are not guys with NFL potential. They are guys who are going to be drafted. Uh, they know it. We know it. Everybody knows it. They look like it. When they walk on the field, they move like it, and they talk like it and play like it. Like, that's what they brought back. So they have holes in two spots. Uh, I like the depth everywhere else, but what I when I give them a chance to be as good as the best offensive line of the country last year, or, you know, it's subjective, of course, but the one that won the award, it's because they're bringing back, I think, three guys that are like no doubt draft picks and guys that know they are and are NFL players. And if they got drafted tomorrow, I'd be I'd be confident they could compete, you know, in an NFL camp like that's that's hard to do. And that's what championship teams have is guys like that that come back as younger players on the offensive line. And then the guys underneath them do not have to rush. You do not have to rush uh, the young centers, Anderson or uh, Crippen. Uh, Jeffrey Percy is the tackle. He's probably their future left tackle. I saw him out there running around the spring game. 
who suddenly now has gone from 250 to 270 to 290 now, and he's moving around. You don't have to rush and you just keep reloading. So we talked about this last fall. It's exactly where it was, I think, you know, at the exact same spot. They have a chance to really, really have a great thing here with their offensive line. And I, I honestly don't think they lean into it enough. I think they should lean into this completely and totally. It should be the identity of the program. They should be selling it and recruiting as come here and be the best offensive lineman, whatever, or be part of the best. That's what they should be doing because I think they have a chance and the right coach, head coach and position coach and coordinator because it's your own coordinator now. I would argue to probably do it, but maybe that's my soapbox talking, but I think they have a really good thing going there. It's really impressive right now. No, I, you're right. I mean, if you think about where, where is Michigan's niche in college football, like That's what it. can they be really good at? Mm-hmm. They're not gonna. They're not gonna be Ohio State or or Alabama uh, or or Georgia in terms of like overall team speed or right. or skill positions. You know, elite athletes. But at Michigan, can you build the best offensive line in, in college football? Yep. Uh, you know, or at one of the one of the top five, top ten, year in and year out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can do that, mm-hmm. uh, and they should. I agree, they should do. Yeah, that. yeah. I mean, I think that's the that's the path forward. We've talked so many times over the years about how do they get there. The money is one, or an NIL would be part of that. <laughs> yeah. But the other part is that that's your identity. That's what you sell. What else we exactly. got? Yeah. All right. Uh, this one is from Brandon. Um, with such a soft opening schedule, wouldn't it make sense to give JJ the keys right away, get his confidence up and iron out any issues. And with the current Let's roster of talent and depth, <laughs> what do you view as this year's ceiling? Brandon, bring in the heat on April 5th. Love it. What do you got? Michigan season ticket holder Chris Berg did tell me yesterday he's not happy with the home schedule this year. Uh, It's pretty light. (laughs) I I did look at it alone in that, and it is not exciting. No, I would not um, start JJ. (laughs) JJ to start the season. What was the other part of that question that he said? I would Uh, not start JJ to start the season. There was another part. uh, What do you view as this year's ceiling? Oh, this year's ceiling. Well, I mean, I think that that's a good question. That's a better part of that question. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think that they can. I think they can defend and compete for a chance to be an Indy again. I I think that if you look at where they are talent wise and where they need to be good, which is how that you know with how they play, which is in the lines, they have what they need, and I think they have enough depth to get through it. Um, they have a veteran quarterback, which is always you know like eighty percent of the battle here has proven he can do it, proven he can do it on the road, proven, you know, you're not as terrified as you would be maybe to go to Iowa, you know, in another year, another year, you'd look at that and be like, well, my God, that's a loss. There's no, no chance of winning that game. Now you'd say, okay, well, I mean, you know, McNamara went in and won at Penn state and won at uh, Nebraska. Why couldn't he do that? So like all those things are on the table. And I say, I look at it and say, that's the ceiling. Their ceiling is to do what they did last year. I don't know if it's to win the national title. I don't think they're that much better than they were a year ago at that time, but I, maybe to, to put a bow on our whole conversation here toward the top of how we were talking, like they, all the stuff they went through in January that everybody was like, this is going to derail them. It, it wasn't going to derail them. And it hasn't because I think they're still sort of where they were and they've mm-hmm. still got things to improve on, but they seem to be kind of still headed in the right direction here. All things yeah. considered, which is impressive. Yeah. To me, the, the whole aim of this season is go into that game in Columbus with a chance to win the big 10 and a chance to make the playoff uh, because their schedule sets up for that. As you mentioned uh, the non-conference schedule 
not challenging. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, you got again somehow. I don't know how. <laughs> you know, going to Iowa is not easy. No, uh, no, no, no. They play Penn State at home. They got to play Michigan State. We know right. that. But uh, the schedule sets up for Michigan to be in position to win mm-hmm. the Big Ten and make the playoff going into game at Ohio State. And then you just you, you take your shot in that game and see what happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the ceiling for this team is is equal to last year's. It's it's Big Ten champion playoff, but they got to get there. And yeah, and I think the last thing I'll say, and I'll, I'll, I'll flip it to you for a parting thought if you have any, is like, because when I went into Saturday, it was like somebody was like, what do you, what can you even glean from a spring game? And I was kind of like, well, you can't glean anything because they don't show anything and they don't do anything. And, you know, they admitted it afterward as they always do. But like, you can watch how a team uh, practices and competes and goes about its business, right? Um, a team that is engaged and is into it and is all about what's happening and is serious about what they're doing. You know, those guys were out there taking selfies in the end zone and having fun and all those things, um, you know, but they were engaged to the entire thing. Everybody was into it. Every rep mattered all the way through. They took it and treated it seriously like a game. They are where they need to be. I would say from a work culture standpoint and two years ago, when we would sit here and talk, that was the biggest problem I had with the program. Mm. I don't know what it would be. I don't know what you're doing from a, because when we go out there and watch them, it would be most guys doing it right. And a handful would be in disarray. And you're like, this is just not, this isn't how it works. And now you watch how last year was and you watch how this year is guys can be themselves and they can do all the thing and have fun, but everybody's into it. And I think that that's what I wanted to see more than anything. Are you, are you, continuing the culture that you established the foundation of it last year. Is it, is it, is it important enough to the guys that are back to continue it? And I think that, you know, for three and a half hours, I would say, yeah, I would say that it is because those guys took it serious and they competed and got a lot of good work done. I thought. Yeah. I think they're right. They're right on track. I think they're right where you want to be at this point in the year. And I think the next step is what Cade McNamara brought up after the game in terms of, this team has to find uh, its internal leadership the way last year's team did, because, you know, as Cade mentioned, you know, last year you had Aiden, you had Brad Hawkins, uh, you had the starters, you know, you had guys who had played a ton of football at Michigan and were ready, you know, to really seize that opportunity to lead that team. And this year's team has some of those guys, you know, it's got Ronnie Bell coming back. It's got Cade, uh, you know, Blake Corum maybe is ready to step into that. Hayes maybe is ready to step into that. Um, but they need, you know, I think they need some guys to get on the same level with, with Cade. Uh, yes, you know, yes. And that's basically what he said is like, you know, feels a little bit lonely. You know, he, <laughs> he had some guys around him last year who he knew were going to, you know, be at that level of competitiveness. And now it's about, uh, finding uh you know guys who can who can reach that level again well they're starting in a better place than they've been so we'll say that and everyone should be uh for the most part happy hash bash was over the weekend too so that was a good day for everyone i think here in arbor uh the folks are content again uh, at least for now it seems anyway and i'm sure they'll find a way to spoil it later Austin, you got anything else before we uh depart here today 
No, man, just uh, congrats on the new, uh, oh, the new gig you. with the thank draft you. vertical. That's, yeah, that's, very exciting. Uh, that's really cool. I, I know we've got a lot of yeah. draft nicks who listen to this podcast. So I mean, the coolest thing, I would say this, my one stump here for this, not only are is the beast, Dane Brugler's draft rate coming out this week, which is um, worth its own. I mean, my, that thing is worth its own price uh, of a subscription by itself. I had a discount, I would argue. Uh, but, you know, we hired full-time um Deontay Lee and Nate Tice. I mean, these guys are coaches who played at the, you know, at a high level, like that's what we do here. And I hope that subscribers, and I know people who are listening this deep into the show understand this, that we're, you know, that's the cool part is that uh, everything that we do going forward is um, with as much expertise as we can find. So very excited to be part of that. But again, I would say, as I said on Twitter, I am still going to be uh, around this sphere. This podcast will continue. I'll be around with Austin and Colton. We'll have Colton on later uh, this month as Brandon is on master's duty, of course. And I'm sure we'll check back in with Austin uh, as we go on later. But for the rest of this stuff, for everyone's purposes, my job doesn't change. Everything goes on as normal. And with that, I think we'll wrap it up here. For Austin, I am Nick. Uh, and for Brandon in Augusta, be sure to tip your bartenders and servers. We'll talk to you later. To the county, the place where I